AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and I'm recording from my living room. I've got my DJ dog, Cookie, on the ones and twos, and today I want to take you on a knowledge journey to the animal kingdom. Right now, romance can be hard for a lot of people, as we're all self-isolating to keep ourselves and others safe amidst this pandemic. So I was thinking we could check in on some animals and how their romantic lives are going so we can live vicariously through them or, as we'll see, maybe romance isn't always all it's cracked up to be. Will you be wooed by throbbing red face balloons, pufferfish art, and sea slug conga lines? Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, if your date is 30 times your size, how do you make sure you don't end up as her appetizer? Right now, dating is pretty difficult given the fact we need to self-isolate to prevent the spread of COVID, but that doesn't mean I can't take all of you, my listeners, on a date right now to the realm of learning. Romantic, no? Let's take a look at some of the weirdest dating habits in the animal kingdom. Even within our own species, our tastes regarding romance are highly diverse. Some people like candlelit dinners, some people like monster trucks or candlelit monster trucks. Personally, I tried to woo my potential mate on our first date by telling him all of my favorite weirdest parasites and somehow we're still together. But when it comes to attracting a partner, animals truly have us beat when it comes to the sheer drama of it all. 
Joining me today to discuss some of these hopeless and sometimes boneless romantics is producer, writer, and also hosts the Rough Stuff podcast, Bridget Greenberg. Hey, it's me. Thanks for having me. Hey, Bridget. It's so good to have you on. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I feel like I got off easy last time since uh, you were talking about cute animals, and I am very squeamish about slugs and bugs. So uh, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, so unfortunately, yeah, this does actually have slugs in it, yep. and I'm just realizing that now, and I remember you did tell me you do not like slugs specifically. Unfortunately, I started writing these notes before I booked you as a guest, yep. so... You know, the train left the station. We're doing this. It's got two entirely different species of slugs on it, Bridget. Let's yeah, go. The, I the am... slug train is left, and mm, we're just yep. going to have to deal. Just going to hop on that slimy, gross train. <laughs> but first, we're actually not going to talk about a slug, much to your delight. We're cool. going to talk about hooded seals. All right. Seals are cool. Yeah, seals are cool. Have you ever heard of a hooded seal? I, I don't think so. Well, that's just wonderful. I'm I always love it when my guest does not know about an animal because it's so fun to listen to you freak out when I tell you. <laughs> cool, cuz I have an idea that I like seals, but no. <laughs> we'll see. I well, look, I like this seal, so clearly you will too. Yeah. Hooded seals are found in the central and western North Atlantic oceans and coasts. They kind of look like Dalmatians. They have light brownish, whitish, grayish fur with dark spots and they can kind of they range in color variations a bit, but yeah, they're 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 like little ocean Dalmatians. And they actually get pretty big. So they can grow up to about 8 feet long, which is 2 and a half meters, and weigh up to 900 pounds. So so these are these are some big, big buddies. Boy. Yeah. Big, big boys and girls, yeah. And, and the boys are bigger than the females. Uh, they eat all sorts of sea critters like fish, crustaceans, krill, and squid. They are adept swimmers. They're able to dive for about 25 minutes, although some individuals have lasted over 50 minutes in a dive. And they can dive from a few hundred to over 3,000 feet or 1,000 meters under the ocean, which... That's, you know... For a mammal, I've, that's a lot. Yeah. Like a whale, I know, can, can yeah. be under for a long time. But that mm -hmm. that feels like it's a rival. Like, yeah, it's up there. It's, a, it's up there. It's a long time. Yeah, s seals are pretty good swimmers and pretty good divers, especially the hooded seal. And I like the idea of being an ocean explorer in a little submarine. And then just like a hooded seal comes right up to your viewing porthole or something and it's just like ha ha and like it, it rockets down like meet you down there i also <laughs> like that some sucker. i also like that some are a lot better than others because it makes me feel like there's a seal olympics that happens <laughs> like they get competitive with each uh -huh. other dun dun da -da -dun, da -da -dun, da -da dun and it's yeah. like a harp seal just kind of flopping aimlessly and then sea lions show up and they're like the jock bros of yeah. the, the seal olympics yeah they're they're the track stars they really are i mean sea lions aren't actually seals obviously they're very closely related but they can move on land a lot better than seals can yeah because they've got those long long legs yeah they're the true athletes yeah yeah they're the bros I think we've actually talked about that before, like that sea, sea lions are the, the jock bros of the sort of a seal walrus uh, group. 
for sure. And they're like, they're the most attractive ones. Like they're the hottest ones. I'm I'm glad to hear like your preference in uh, sort of like seals yeah. and sea lions and learning about your romantic preference amongst those. Like, uh, yes. You know. Yeah. I, sea lions. That's a, uh, you know, those are straight up hotties. Yeah. Those are tens. Yeah. Br- Bridget attracted to sea lions. <laughs> don't love, don't but, love that uh, moniker for me, but I said it. So <laughs> you did say it and we did capture it on, on tape. So there is no avoiding it now. It's out Personal, there now. Look, here, I'm going to give you just some free compromise, which is that uh, hooded seals, I'm hot for hooded seals. So there you okay. go. Like we've got, we we've got, got we're mutually all assured. Yeah, we've got mutually yeah. assured destruction here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, our, our internet's <laughs> going to shut off after this gets released. <laughs> so unfortunately for me and my romantic inclination towards the hooded seals is that they're typically solitary and they you know they're they're not they're not the most gregarious of seals they're brooding during... i get it <laughs> like the edward yeah, they've cullen got, they've got their hoodie yeah they've got their hood they're hooded because they wear a hoodie and they're like nobody understands me yeah i get it i get it <laughs> but that just makes me want them more <laughs> yeah but they do get together in large groups during mating or molting seasons and they gather in these big groups to find a partner or shed their fur, which sounds great and cool. So the reason they're called hooded seals is that males have a weird hood on top of their snout. So when this hood is flaccid, which is a great word that right. I love to yeah. use, it kind of just looks like a flat flap of dark skin on top of their muzzles. It, it isn't like super apparent. You're like, oh, okay, here's a... Here's a seal, and he's just kind of got like maybe a slightly more prominent uh, muzzle than most seals, but oh boy, that's not all it is, guys. Oh. It's, it contains multitudes. There's a hidden surprise inside these seals. Oh no! And, because they can inflate their nose right up like a big old fluffy bubble. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, just 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 scroll down this dock, Bridget. Yep. Just take take yeah, a look, see here. Oh, oh, yeah. it looks like it's a, nu- oh, okay. Well, so I guess when it's red, that's when it's inflated. Okay, so I understand the confusion. Yeah. You're seeing two two different, see, okay. this is like a reversible nose here. This is a, this is a versatile nose balloon. And there mm. are two, two oh. modes that this nose balloon can be in. So the first one is when they basically just inflate the nose on top of their head and right. it, just looks like they have this big bulbous nose balloon. It's this big floppy bubble of skin. It looks like there's another animal like saying hi to it upside down. Like it crawled on its face. Right. It's like, what up? It's like, imagine if your nose was instead of being, you know, firm, like was made out of sort of a balloon material and you could like plug your nostrils and just like blow really hard and it blows up like a balloon. And and that's basically what's happening here. What also happens is that's that's just that's just their first form, their first uh-huh. nose form. Their final nose form is they can evert the lining of their nostrils. So like push out this oh, no. uh, nasal lining outside of their nostrils and blow oh. a big red balloon that comes out of their nose. That looks so painful. <laughs> it's I don't think it is because it's designed to do that. It does. Yep. It does seem like it would hurt. It looks, but no, I, th- it I think, looks like they're yeah. screaming in all of these too. 
So, well, that's just their natural, that's their resting that, scream face. Yes. But they, they, so imagine like when you blow a bubble, like a, a gum bubble mm-hmm. with some, uh, you know, let's call it bubble gum. Yeah. Um, and, and you blow some bubble gum, like you get this big bubble, but you're, you're not, you're like blowing it at that thin layer of gum and filling it with air and blowing it out of your mouth. That's what they're doing, but out of their nose mm. and the bubble gum is their nasal lining. And it's permanent, like it's like yeah. they, it's, it's attached a permanent, to them. it's attached the, to them. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's this big red bubble that they blow out of their nose and it is made out of their nasal lining and they can inflate it and deflate it as much as they want, whenever they want. And typically when they want to do it is when it comes to mating the ladies. Yeah, that's uh, I get I get the appeal. Yeah. That big old nose bubble. Big old nose bubble. And it's red, too, which is fun. That's a romantic color, I feel like. It is. You know, like a big. Yeah, it's like one of those. And it's kind of it's almost because I guess like it's sort of weird nose lining. It's almost the shape of a heart. You yes. know, it's not like a perfectly round sphere. It's kind of I mean, probably more closely resembles a kidney bean but let's say a heart let's say a red let's heart say, let's say a heart if these were like yeah. looney tunes characters they would for sure yeah. be a pepe Le Pew kind of heart exactly exactly yes just this bit like like you know how their eyes pop out of their sockets it's their yeah. nose popping out of its nose hole yep. except inside out yeah anyways oh, <laughs> so God. it seems so uncomfortable it, I, I, I think not. they're okay with it, I though. I think they're okay. Yeah, but it does look uncomfortable. It makes me feel like if I did that, it would be uncomfortable. But again, I'm not a male hooded seal. So I, uh, there you go. If only. If only. So what they do is they blow out that big red nose balloon and they flop it around menacingly at their rivals for mates. Like a it big... Flops? Yeah, it flops around like a big sockum bopper. <laughs> and they... Use so first of all, it's an intimidating display, and because it takes a lot of energy to physically fight each other, the way they kind of try to minimize injuries to each other when competing for females is whoever's got the biggest, floppiest nose bubble is probably going to be the strongest anyway. So then they just they're just like, no, you win. You got the biggest nose bubble. That's we don't have to come to actual blows. That's very kind. Yeah, it's civil. It's very civil. I was worried you were going to say they like fight nose balloons. Like they, <laughs> like you said the rock'em sock'em thing. Well, but you know, sock'em boppers, I mean, they aren't. I, I well, I really wanted sock'em bopper when I was a kid, but my yeah. parents, I don't think they, uh, too I, violent. I, I don't know. I, yeah, probably too violent. They weren't, a, they never like put too fine a point on it. And I don't think I really asked that much because I think I, I had this sense that this would disrupt the peace in the house and I didn't want to be the one to kind of create a war zone in the house. <laughs> and so I let I let the issue subside. But yeah, so they are using these as sort of, you know, it's like a sport. It's like nose sports, but to show their, their mating potential and to ward off rivals. And they actually also... Uh, use it to seduce mates so they wobble it around they create acoustic sounds with these nose bubbles that are both can be a threatening warning but also kind of like a serenading their potential mate they play wonderwall exactly yeah anyways here's wonderwall (laughs) (laughs) it's like every freshman like dude in college in the door exactly 
it's it'd be like i guess a human analog as if like freshman dudes like would blow a big balloon out of their nose and then kind of drum it in a circle to try to <laughs> seduce women but then also like try like flap it at each other does that make sense i think it oh makes sense. i get it i've seen it bridget if you want i if you want to see a video of them flapping this thing around oh i have boy. highlighted it for you in pink there and oh you can boy. click on it it almost looks like it's eating its own nose bubble <laughs> whoa oh that's so weird do you remember those like when we were kids there was that like putty that you would put at the end of a straw and it would blow up into a balloon yeah yeah like the yes yes i do that yeah. weird toy that was yeah. like the the invincible bubbles or i don't remember exactly right what like they were it was called, an but... impoppable bubble and it was just like yeah. this putty that you blew up that's what this yeah. reminds me of oh look at them bite this is so weird they're so awkward <laughs> They just flop at each other, essentially, like yeah. to, to try to resolve the fight. Everything about them is just floppy. I, it's I don't so floppy. They don't Aggressive have bones. flopping. Yeah. They, well, they do have bones. We are going to talk about some animals that don't have bones, but these guys, they've yeah. got bones. It's just surrounded in a, lo- a very a thick of, layer of a flop. A lot of flubber. Yeah. It, it a looks lot of like floppiness. Yeah. They're just furry little sacks who... Yeah, that's a gu- that's a accurate. Yeah, <laughs> they also can inflate and deflate the hood underwater to create threatening acoustic sounds to warn off potential rivals or predators. So that's this is metal. A, yes, this is a multifunctional uh, nose balloon. Unfortunately, females do not have a nose balloon, so I, I think that's not fair. Yeah, that's sexism, plain and simple. There's got to be like a a hooded seal suffragette movement where it's like give us nose balloons please yeah imagine the good they can do with nose balloons behind every great nose balloon is a woman yeah is how that goes right (laughs) of course yes what happens if it like do they ever pop i feel you know that's an interesting question and one i actually avoided researching that's fair i get that yeah feels like a lot of blood (laughs) right i'm not sure i even want to know about that but yeah it seems like they run that risk. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess like maybe if they have like balloons of equal size, it's going to be like a lightsaber battle, but with balloons. I don't know. <laughs> the lamest <laughs> lightsaber battle. Right, I don't exactly. know. They, I, I like the fact that they fight and don't want to go for blood. Like they yeah. don't, they're aggressive, I, but like they don't mean it. Yeah. I really love the creative solutions that a lot of animals have come up with to avoid actual fighting with yeah. each other it's it's pretty wonderful especially the more artistic ones like we'll flop a big red balloon at each other and whoever's the floppiest and biggest we'll just assume is the winner here right and they're and like so great. i think that they're so lazy that they're like i don't want to flop enough to fight <laughs> exactly. you it's so much flopping exactly have you seen a seal try to throw a punch? It is honestly kind of pathetic. So, you know. No, it's just all their weight. Elephant seals will actually fight yeah. each other. And it's gruesome because they they throw their necks together. They, they kind of just like slam their thick, meaty necks into each other. And they can get really bloodied. And it, it's pretty horrible. So, yeah, I, I love I love these hooded seals. They've, they've yeah. come up with a real, real elegant solution here by like blowing their nose holes out. God, if we if humans could figure that out, you know, if we could, yeah, you know what, just like sort of ritualized, like instead of wars, whoever's got the biggest balloon, we're gonna assume wins. That would be great. 
I love it. Yeah. We can learn so much. Just send out all our best balloon uh, artists. Exactly. Yeah. Clowns. Exactly. Yeah. Balloon artists. Well, now, now, Bridget, now, Bridget, I don't think all clowns are balloon artists. Okay. I don't think you can generalize like that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the community. You should. You should be. Yeah. Well, speaking of balloons, (laughs) um, I want to talk about pufferfish who have their own very interesting method of seducing a mate. Mm -hmm. And if getting blasted with nose balloons isn't your thing, maybe you could be seduced by a pufferfish, the living balloon, which interestingly, they don't inflate themselves to attract a mate. So spoilers, no, it's they don't turn themselves into a balloon like a like a hooded seal. They actually that that ballooning is a defensive technique and it's kind of it's not like fun for the pufferfish to inflate itself like that all willy-nilly i I think it's like uh, slightly traumatic so they really only do that when they feel like their life is in danger and it it really does help them avoid predation because when you're a big balloon it, it hard to swallow you down and they also have spikes and uh uh, tetrodotoxins that makes them really deadly sometimes to eat. So they're they have really figured out this whole like I'm going to make myself a horrible balloon that you just can't eat. They've mastered the art of being unappetizing because I don't want to eat a big poison balloon, and I can't imagine animals in the ocean want that either. No, growing <laughs> growing up uh, by by the bay in the ocean, I remember we would see pufferfish, and then we would try to get them to blow up by poking things at them <laughs> so and then mean. it's so mean and then i learned how bad it is like really it's not good for the fish like it's no like it is dramatic and i felt yeah. horrible about it well never again you know, i thought yeah, it was fun for I mean, them yeah, yeah, it does. It looks like it would be fun to to your credit. It does look like it would be fun because then you would become like, you know, like those bouncy balls that we like yeah. when you're a kid and you like, what were those like the big the like bouncy? Balls? They look yeah. like, yeah, well, like or the, the balls that you exercise on as adults, but as oh, kids yeah, the, you like sit on and bounce yeah, on. Yeah, the yoga balls or the ones that you would see in the right, supermarket exactly. that no one would buy. Right, exactly. And, and like, so that that seems fun as a kid. So for a kid, it's like if I could yeah. turn into a big bouncy ball, that would be perfect. Hey, a fish could turn into a ball. How could that not be fun for everyone? How couldn't that be fun for the fish? But it's not. So, it's not. Yeah. No, I learned that. Um, uh, yeah, you bullied those fish. So I, unfortunately, Bridget, I don't think any of these puffer fish are going to try to woo you, uh, no. which is a real shame. That's a shame. Because missed out on the, love. There, you really did, and you missed out on one of the most beautiful mating rituals in the animal kingdom. Ooh. Sorry. <laughs> oh no. But I know. But it's a uh, the a species of puffer fish off the coast of Japan called the white spotted puffer fish. Or, and here we go, I'm going to pronounce this name really good and well. It's called the Torque, wait, Torquigener Albo Torquigener Albo Maculosis, which has been discovered to create elaborate patterns in the seafloor to woo females. That's so artistic. It is artistic. It is, it's beautiful. So, the white-spotted pufferfish is a small puffer about five inches long. When they're not inflated, they're kind of a boxy-looking fish. And yeah. the way that pufferfish swim is they flutter their fins really rapidly that allow them to 
hover instead of swim. They're kind of like the hummingbirds of the ocean. And they've got little beaks and their eyes move independently, similar to a chameleon. So actually pufferfish are one of my favorite fish because they have such expressive faces. Yeah, because they're their cute. eyes can they're adorable. They have little beaks that make it look like they have little teeth. So they have a doofy little expression and their eyes can follow you. And they really, they're also very curious fish. I've had a puffer fish in my aquarium and they, it's like the only fish I've had in my aquarium that would like follow me as I walk around oh. the room and get really excited. I would feed it like blood worms and stuff and it'd get really excited and come up to meet me and it would play in this the streams. I had like this this jet stream of water that was part of the filter system and it would like kind of like surf the jet stream. Cool. And yeah, they're just really they're they're really fascinating uh, and fun fish. As long as you don't bully them, Bridget. Geez. Yeah, I, I regret it. <laughs> But this I all goes along do. with my narrative. Uh, yeah, yeah. Your, your narrative of just a bullying total everything in my guilt. Way. Yeah, and, and feeling and guilty it about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to happy to help you along with all that, that uh -huh. guilt. Yep. <laughs> so to attract a mate, these white spotted puffer fish will create elaborate crop circles in soft sand on the ocean floor. So this is the male's creating these designs for females. And these designs, they kind of look like um, the mandala or something. The, you know oh, yeah, what I mean? The, like those, Yeah, those the, the things that the monks draw on the sand and then they wipe yeah. them away. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Or like some kind of weird jello mold made out of sand. So here's, here's his artistic process. He will clear out the coarse sand, leaving just the finest sand in a circular area and he's got it since he's a little puffer fish. He's got to do this with his fins and his and his oh. beak. You know, he, he he don't got no hands. Oh. So he he also clears out shells and places them along the rim of his crater, both to clean out the center of it and also to decorate the the area outside yeah. of his artwork. It, did you watch Finding Dory? Yes. Yes. Remember how oh. her parents like create a line of of shells right for her to follow them, oh, man, so for that... her to find oh. that's what that the, they stole that from pufferfish and they do that but not to find their long lost daughter but to attract the ladies hey. so hey. <laughs> so uh he will work on his beautiful little mating circle for a week working constantly otherwise it will get destroyed by the current so these are like cry. these are that's... very I know these are such a Zen fish, though. Like they really, you know, it's like a, a Zen garden and that idea of the impermanence of their art, and they work so hard at it. It's it is they these are inspiring little fish. Yeah, just to attract, just to find some love, just to find love. And I exactly. feel like they're really and think about that, you guys. Yeah, they're putting themselves exactly. out there. Exactly. They're they're making themselves a target. Exactly. I mean, I know times are tough right now for everybody who wants to date, but think about these little puffer fish. They got to work on they got to work on their design for like a week constantly. It's yeah. really hard. They're artists. Yeah. They're artists. Unfortunately, I feel like with humans, like that's one of the worst well, maybe not for everyone, but one of the worst things you can do on a first date is like show someone your art. <laughs> like, yeah. here's an art I did. Oh, I would immediately leave. I would, I would, 
I think I would just, I don't know. It, it's it, even if it's good art, there's something about sharing your art with someone that is so vulnerable. It, yes. It, it's, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying it hurts me to think about doing it. Like if I like yeah. met someone for the first time and I'm like, here's an art I did. It makes me feel naked in a way that it, yeah. physically hurts. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's cringy. That's, that's not a thing. These puffer fish, they're really wearing their, uh, their hearts on their, on their balloons, on their balloon. Bodies. Yeah, exactly. Well said, well spoken. Uh, also there, these little, these little crop circles or mating circles have almost perfect radial symmetry. Oh yeah, I've I've been looking at this video as you've been talking. I've seen it. It's so cute. They're so cute. And you see you see the finished product, right? Like that it's, big big crop circle. It's beautiful, right? It's beautiful. I it's a I can't draw a straight line. I <laughs> I I don't know how they're doing this. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's unfathomable. It, it's it's a beautiful design. It's it looks like a sunburst oh. or I don't even it's 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 beautiful and if the female is impressed she will lay her eggs in the middle of his design that's like it's so romantic right i, I yeah and i'm not a i'm not a softy uh per se uh and that is so sweet and also i'm just very impressed i once tried to spray paint the lines of a soccer field and it was a mess mm-hmm. uh and these fish <laughs> We got to get these fish doing some uh, <laughs> some work on some soccer fields. My boyfriend and I were trying to cut out circles out of wax paper to line a uh, oh. baking tin, a circular baking tin. And somehow we managed to do every geometric shape except a circle. It's impossible. These fish are I think, talented. Yeah, I think we even, we even made like a snowflake, but not a circle. <laughs> yeah, a beautiful <laughs> snowflake, a very complex <laughs> <laughs> just made the Mona Lisa out of <laughs> damn it but I wanted a circle <laughs> you wanted a circle this is uh incredible what it's doing are they all different I think they're probably all slightly different they're all symmetrical like that and they all have yeah. that sort of general design of like what 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 it is is they move their little bodies through the sand and they have it's basically like they have these sort of like the the time markers on a clock, like they have these divots all through uh, radially symmetrical in the circle. But then in the center, they're kind of doing these like, like swooshes, like these little, like almost um, waves, like radiating out from the center, like a sun. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's huge and it's beautiful. It's like, uh, you know, I don't know, like 10 times, 20 times larger than the, than the uh, puffer fish itself it's 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 incredible yeah that is a, i i would lay my eggs in that circle <laughs> <laughs> good good to hear that like, yeah, well, uh, I, yeah thank you consider for me wooed <laughs> what if crop circles are just aliens trying to woo each other and get another alien to lay its eggs in the center of it oh yeah what if, or if it's just like that's uh, creates the alien human species that uh, is our next stage of evolution. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> when it comes to romantic patterns, a lot of human cultures settled upon the heart shape. But where does that come from? It's certainly not very similar to a real heart. 
An accurate heart shape is more like a lopsided acorn with a bunch of veins and chambers and stuff. One theory is that the heart shape actually comes from the heart-shaped leaves of the Silphium plant, which was used as a contraceptive and aphrodisiac in 5th century BC and was depicted on silver coins in ancient Greece. Turns out we've been horny for plants this whole time! Whoops! When we return, we're going to talk about a little lover with some big problems. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Attack of the 50-Foot Woman was a 1958 B-movie about a wealthy heiress who gets turned into a giant lady by an alien. As the trailer states, she was, quote, incredibly huge with incredible desires for love and vengeance. In evolutionary biology terms, this would be an extreme example of sexual dimorphism. Sexual dimorphism is where one sex of a species has significant physical differences from the other, either in size, color, or other elements of anatomy. Think of the colorful male peacock and the more toned-down peahen, or the huge nose and size of an elephant seal compared to the smaller, more normal-looking female elephant seal. Although we often think of male animals of being bigger and stronger, this is definitely not always the case. Many female animals are larger than their male counterparts, such as most species of spiders, many fish, owls, the spotted hyena, and the blue whale. But sometimes the female is so large compared to the male, it becomes a bit of an unfortunate situation when it comes to mating. I love that the entire premise of some horror movies is just, what if women were huge? (laughs) (laughs) It's so revealing, right? Yeah, I don't know if it's supposed to be scary or sexy or like a mix of the two. It's, But I do love it. I love the creativity that goes behind that. Like women, but big as a building. (laughs) It's so transparent. Whatever weird, Yeah. yeah insecurity or fetish or, that shows or fetish, it's very or both probably mixed you know, in I, all I, tangled I up think, together yeah. little column a little column b unfortunately for the argonaut octopus this is not a weird niche fetish it is a very real thing and it's a big problem for the males so <laughs> argonaut octopus males have a problem which is that females see them as a snack not Sexually, not like a snack is like you are a snack because you're pretty and I like you, but 
brutally because the females they want to eat them and so let, let me give you a little bit of background on the argonaut octopus they are indeed an octopus they are a very interesting cephalopod they're found all over the world in tropical oceans and the females are pretty spectacular looking so they only grow about four inches long or 10 centimeters in terms of their bodies but they actually create shells that grow up to almost a foot so these shells that they make look like a nautilus shell made out of paper and if you look in the dock actually i have a photo of, of this oh oh that's cool it really is it's beautiful and yeah. it's interesting. So nautiluses are that shelled cephalopod that are actually related to octopuses, but this is an instance of convergent evolution, not like the Argonaut octopus didn't like evolve from the nautilus. This is this is interesting version of convergent evolution where they evolved this shell all on their own. And th this shell is actually an egg case that the female creates and lives inside along with her brood. So this egg case is made out of a thin layer of calcite, unlike most shells, which are made out of argonite, which is a fact I'm sure that the mineralogists out there will like. That's not a word. Mineral it's uh, geologists. Geologists, yeah. I was like, is there a difference <laughs> between those two things? So... In fact, the shell-wearing females look a lot like an extinct cephalopod called the ammonite, which some people may know, like uh, fossil collectors, like those ammonite fossil uh, shell that, that they're those like spirally fossils. And it was a tentacled creature that resided in a shell. And again, it's likely that this is another case of convergent evolution where, yeah, this was an extinct cephalopod distantly related to the octopus, but the octopus re-evolved forming the shell, which is really fascinating. And the Argonaut's shells have a bubble of air in it to keep it buoyant, and they're very they're very thin shells, so very, very light and kind of ethereal looking. But it, it does provide some protection for the female, and especially for her eggs, and it gives her a little buoyant house to live in and makes it easier to swim around. And... That's all great for the female, but males have a very different situation. So they're only a little over a centimeter big, which is about oh. one, one thirtieth the size of a female with her shell on. So that oh that God. is real tiny. I got a diagram in there to show you the size difference. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, it's really cute because like you see this female and it's this octopus emerging from a shell looking very strange and very interesting. And then you have this like little tiny like, and that's the male, just this little tiny like dot on it and Aww, about the size of yeah. her eyeball. That's so sad. I know, it's adorable. It's so cute. They're trying. They're trying so hard. <laughs> but the problem for these males is not a sense of inadequacy, but a sense of deliciousness because they make an easy little snack for the females. So if they try to mate yeah. with a female, the female might be just like, hey, you're tiny and small and you fit right in my mouth and eat them. <laughs> and it happens. So in order to try to survive this and to actually get the female to accept its uh, sperm, 
The Argonaut males have perfected the art of social distancing sex, which is by detaching an arm that holds their sperm um, and they rip it off and fling it at eligible females like a wiener javelin. <laughs> oh my God, that's cool. What a cool Olympic sport. Exactly, wiener javelin. So it's actually not their their penis. It is called a hectocotylus, which is... The it, it's basically they take their tentacle and they put a little sperm packet on it and then they they remove that tentacle and toss it at the female and the female is like oh cool it's like oh it's like an arm holding a bunch of sperm perfect present for me I love it thank you <laughs> it's like Amazon just oh cool ah <laughs> uh, cool my children got my, are got here my, got my sperm tentacle packet today that's great oh, they will sometimes even stockpile these tentacle sperm javelins in their shell and just inseminate their eggs when they're ready just <laughs> hoarding hoarding like these these wieners, wiener tentacle sperm things how many like do they, i guess they regrow their their sperm tentacles the males yeah yeah they can regrow their tentacles it's it's unclear how often they actually have the chance to mate like that but yeah they in theory they probably can regrow that tentacle i'm just not i don't think it's known whether or not they actually do or if they're just like well my job here is done and then then pass on to octopus heaven <laughs> oh they could regrow the tentacle and it at least means that they were able to get their their sperm to the female without the email just eating the whole dang little guy and not even knowing what she's missing. Yeah, he could be a great guy. He could have been a great guy. Yeah, give him a chance. <laughs> We've actually talked about this method of mating before on the show when it, I think it was in the episode Aliens and we talked about the blanket octopus because blanket octopus males will also use the hectocotylus and by tossing their arm at the female and piecing out, but uh, I think that the in this case, just the the absolute urgency for these little guys to get away from these huge females as quickly as possible is much more stark. But yeah, it's it's an it's an interesting technique. Like like take it, take my seed, and then run away. <laughs> take my seed, don't eat me. That's uh oh the the sad existence. Like here you go, here's my arm. <laughs> just I gotta just, go. I gotta go. Here, take my love. Be the mother of yeah. my children. Bye. <laughs> Uh, I want to inspire that kind of uh, intimidation. <laughs> I, I, that, that is a, that is a, bo that is a boss girl. Wait, boss queen? What is it? Boss, boss uh, babe. Boss branch. Bo boss branch. Boss branch. Boss queen. Yes, yeah. queen. Eat, the, eat yeah. those males. You, you go. They're little snacks. Little snacky yeah, snacks. Yeah, exactly. That's that's right. And then just put their put their sperm arm in your pocket. Exactly. Collect as many sperm arms as you can because you're a boss. <laughs> that I also. I'm super jealous of the idea of like, yeah, I'm just going to hang on to this for a later time. You know, now is not a great time for me. Right, right. Yeah. like Down the road, I'm going to want these. Uh, they've got but, uh, family right planning like down really good. Just like, you know, you have like a little cupboard <laughs> full of like, mm, this one was from Gary. I don't know about Gary. Ooh, this one's from Larry. I did like right. Larry. I could barely see either sperm. of them. <laughs> Yeah, they were so I don't tiny. know who they are. Yeah, yeah, they got their own little sperm banks. <laughs> yeah, they got a sperm library. Just check out, check out a book whenever you want. Pour it over your eggs, yeah. and there you go. You got kids. <laughs> oh God, what what a convenient system for the ladies and a yes. terrifying existence for yes, the men. Exactly, I do love the convenience of it all. 
So now I want to talk about, I'm sorry to say it, Bridget, but it's slugs oh times. Oh, God. <laughs> so I have, right. done, I have done you a, a huge favor, and I have made the photo of the, the slugs I'm going to talk about really tiny. So you can choose to zoom in on that <laughs> if you want. <laughs> that is way too kind. Uh, but I appreciate I appreciate it a lot. When I say tiny, I made it like like a centimeter it's, squared wide, so Bridget doesn't yeah, have to look at this a- unless she wants to. <laughs> it is it is so you are such a gracious host. <laughs> well, these are banana slugs, and I think even for people They're, who aren't normally grossed out by slugs, these are some yeah. intimidating slugs. Yeah, they're they're I I know these because yeah, they're the ones I'm like yeah, these are the gross ones. These are yep. the ones that made me afraid. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I bring them up because we talked about like with the Argonaut octopus how they detach their leg and throw it at the female by choice. Well, sometimes a penis isn't meant to be detachable, but animals jailbreak those wieners and detach them anyways. Oh. <laughs> Of course, they're monsters. Yes, let me tell you the ballad of the banana slugs and their unfortunate romantic existence. And uh, sometimes they listen. Okay, sometimes they do chew a wiener off. But let me oh first, my God. before you judge, let me tell you all about the noble banana slug. So, okay. banana slugs are large, gooey, yellow terrestrial slugs. There are, monsters. according to some people, it's subjective. There are. <laughs> Three species of banana slugs that live in North America, so some of my fellow North Americans may have had the privilege of seeing them in person. Um, uh, are you one of those people, Bridget? Have you seen a banana slug in person? I have, and I was physically twitching for like an hour. <laughs> Where was this? Uh, I was camping around Big Sur. Of course, and, that's and, yep, Northern California. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah that's, where, that's where they are. Yep. I love Big Sur, but uh, <laughs> I don't really, like it was beautiful. And then mm-hmm. I saw that and the trip is ruined. <laughs> <laughs> well, so they do grow up to be around 10 inches long, or they can grow up to 10 inches long long which is about 25 centimeters and they can live up to seven years they're i don't know why that grossed me out (laughs) that they can be old because they can remember you bridget you come back there they'll remember you yeah (laughs) but yeah they i mean their their lifespan ranges from one to seven years but yeah they can live pretty long for for a dang slug and here's here's some cool banana slug facts (laughs) they need to keep their skin moist to stay healthy and to help them breathe via gas exchange so they have a nice thick layer of mucus that they can even create a cocoon out of so they can bury themselves in soil or leaves and remain dormant until their environment is acceptably moist. Oh god, everything makes it worse. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe this fact will cheer you up. All right, no, I'm yep. lying. It won't actually. If you try, <laughs> if you try to eat a banana slug, your mouth will fill with expanding slime, and your tongue will go numb. So <gasps> let me explain. <laughs> you may oh have heard. I don't know if you live in an area where it's like um, there. I've heard that people dare each other to lick banana slugs, and I remember I was at sixth grade camp, and we had a camp counselor who was like, "Do not lick banana slugs," and if someone <laughs> 
if someone dares you to lick a banana slug, don't do it because it will, your mouth will fill with goo and it will just like froth up into like this big, <laughs> these big thick sheets of goo. And I thought she was kind of just telling tall tales, but no, turns out she was right. And the reason this happens is their mucus is made out of mucin granules. These are little teeny tiny microscopic granules that expand when they come into contact with water. So if you mm. look a banana slug, these granules will expand in your saliva like tiny microscopic bits of or mucus rice and fill your mouth with slug pudding. Oh, yeah. I hate that term. I hate that term so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. My shoulders are at my ears right oh, now. Oh, <laughs> poor Bridget. I'm really sorry. I, I did not no. plan to torture you with hey. this episode. I was just like, oh, I should have Bridget on. And I'm like, this has a lot of slugs in it. <laughs> yeah. No, you're doing your job. I don't yeah. blame you. I, I The slugs are always the enemy. Yeah. Well, maybe this this is some some solace if you put a banana yeah. slug in your mouth is that your tongue won't feel <laughs> the slime because your tongue will go numb uh, because mm. it, their, their mucus contains an anesthetic agent. And that is another reason, though, animals don't really want to eat these guys, because like if you are a predator and your mouth is now full of slime and your tongue is numb, that is not going to be a good experience. No, these. Oh, God, I hate them. I don't like them. I also there's not enough money in the world uh, if I was at your camp to <laughs> lick a slug. There is not. Yeah. There, not, there's even not, little, not even a little kiss just to see if they're prince in disguise. <laughs> I had a nightmare about slugs mm. coming out of my mouth uh, oh, when no. I was very young, and I <laughs> think about it maybe once a week. There's a, a Japanese comic artist, Genji Ito, who does these horror comics, and he has one where like these slugs come out of this girl's mouth. So I don't know why I'm telling you that, but hey... You're not the only one that who is, has that fear. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I. That's a good horror. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a good Lot. horror. So yeah. you can't you can't kiss a banana slug, but what do what do amorous banana slugs do? I bet you were wondering that, Bridget. But you're oh, wondering how uh, yep. banana slugs romance each other, and you want to hear how about they find it. Find love. Yeah, I guess so. That's why I'm here. So banana slugs, like all slugs, are hermaphrodites, and they carry both male and female organs. Mm. So that tongue-numbing, expanding slime horror also contains pheromones to attract a mate. So once a pair of slugs meet up, they will both exchange sperm with each other, kind of like how you know you meet up, like we both, like you meet someone, you both exchange your phone numbers and stuff. Right. Except it's sperm. Because they, yeah. you know, they, they both have both male and female reproductive organs, but they, they can't right. like self-fertilize. They have to find someone else. So they just exchange right. stuff like, here, you take some of my sperm. I'll take some of your sperm. We'll see which one works out. Right, exactly. A little more forward than a phone number. Well, uh. Maybe slightly, yes. But here's, here's a problem, which is that once in a while, they get a little tangled up with, with their wieners. <laughs> and so... If a, if a penis gets stuck in the female reproductive tract, the penis must somehow be removed so they won't be locked together forever because that is a commitment that goes a little too far for these banana slugs. They're like, hey, cool, we'll meet up, we'll exchange a sperm, but I do not want to be tied to your wiener forever. Sorry. Uh, wait, so it always gets stuck? No, 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 just occasionally. Just, okay. Just occasionally. God, that would be a poorly designed animal, though. 
I'm yeah, sure it happens. Just, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to find an animal like that. <laughs> is it like how, co- I mean, this might not be a question, you know, how common of an occurrence is this? Enough that it has been noted by researchers. I don't know what oh. that means. I don't think it happens all the time, but it happens with some with- enough regularity that we have observed it and documented it. Okay. Yeah. So yes, yeah, enough. It enough. happens enough. It ha- that's right. It happens enough. Once, I feel like, would be enough. but Once is too many, maybe. I would yeah. just go as far as to say. Yeah, so usually it is the recipient of the wiener who does the mm-hmm. chewing off, though oh, sometimes boy. the owner will chew off its own wiener in desperation to escape like a wolf chewing off its own paw to escape trap. Oh, boy. You see, what happens, the problem is the female genitals have these, like, muscles that, like, hold on to the male genitals, and sometimes Mm -hmm. those muscles just work too good, and it locks on there, and then they get stuck together, and they're like, well, somebody's going to lose a wiener, and it's not going to be me. Oh. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're too strong for their own good. Yeah. I mean, the, the one nice thing, though, is because they are hermaphrodites, and they have both male and female genitals, it's like, there's not, it's not just like one... They they all run this risk, right? It feels right. sort of equitable, I guess. It, it it's yeah, like, it's you not one sided, right? Exactly. Like they 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 understand what they're getting into. Someone must get their penis bitten. Yeah, they probably off. don't understand that because they they're not very smart. They've got like no. kind of tiny brains, but you know whatever. Maybe that's a blessing. Maybe maybe it's good not to have self awareness in that situation. Yeah, yeah. In that situation, you kind of just want instinct. Yeah, and then one 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 last fact to just kind of like let, let this fact simmer in there. Once the penis has been successfully 127 hours off, uh, <laughs> they typically the one who received the penis will eat it as a fun snack because why oh waste God. it? Waste not, want not is what I say. Oh my God. W- monsters. They're monsters. Well, <laughs> nothing to convince me otherwise. Well, I mean, but are we the real monsters, Bridget? Because we don't. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, no, I'm going to go okay. ahead and, 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 and uh, not yes and you here. Right. We are not the monsters. That's actually probably fair, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this sounds horrible. Yeah. It's, well, you know, I mean, look, look, they- it's easy to judge when you're not covered in numbing, numbing slime and getting your wiener stuck in another person, you know? It's easy to judge, right? I, yeah, I guess I guess I I have not been in, have not been lucky enough to be in the situation from our lofty position as a species yeah. that don't regularly chew off each other's wieners. Like you know, it's it's just it's easy for us to judge. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, my high and mighty throne. <laughs> Why aren't all living animals hermaphroditic? That is. It seems like the safest way to ensure the continuation of the species is giving everyone both sets of reproductive equipment, right? Well, to answer this question, first let's talk about how different sexes evolved in the first place. Sexual reproduction evolved over 1.2 billion years ago in early eukaryotic cells. Eukaryotes are all organism with a nucleus enclosed in a membrane within the cell, We're eukaryotes, worms are eukaryotes, plants are eukaryotes, mushrooms are eukaryotes. So 
early eukaryotic cells developed sexual reproduction, the exchange of two gametes, each containing a set of chromosomes that combined to form a new organism with two sets of chromosomes. Sexual reproduction has been the preferred choice of reproduction amongst eukaryotes, including most species of plants, animal, and fungi. This may be because sexual reproduction protects species from major bad mutations by having two different sets of chromosomes. So most plants are actually hermaphroditic, while just a few have two distinct sexes. Meanwhile, most animals are dioecious, meaning individuals generally have either male or female organs. One theory is that it's costly to have both sexual organs, as there are major energy costs. Producing sperm and gestating eggs both cost resources, so if you're doing both at the same time, you may be burning the candle from both ends, so to speak. When we return, we're going to talk about another lovely little slimy hermaphroditic critter who has no problem burning that candle from end to end to end to end. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. While we sometimes consider mating to be a private affair, that's a very limited perspective. Not all species are so inhibited. Some species of frogs gather in huge mating mobs that can become so hectic and cramped that individuals get smothered to death. In fact, a species of Amazonian frog called Ranilla proboscidea is so highly competitive during mating, they forego the whole till death do you part bit, and males will actually harvest eggs from dead females to attempt to fertilize them. Other species of frogs have understandably shied away from these mass mating events by finding or even constructing their own private mating pools so they and their partners can mate in peace. Sea hares, on the other hand, have figured out a way to have very organized but still very public mating spectacles. Okay, so Bridget, I mm-hmm. do want to talk about another sluggish animal. Cool. It's not... I'm hoping this one won't... I, I actually hope you kind of like this one. Maybe not. We'll see. Let, let's let's just go. Let's go on this journey together. Let, yeah, so let's find you, out. Yeah, have you you know generally about like sea slugs, right? Oh yeah, those those don't bother me quite as much. Oh good, 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 good. Yeah. So let's talk about sea hares. So okay. sea hares are actually distantly related to banana slugs, and uh, they both belong to the clade 
heterobranchia, which contains snails and slugs both on land and aquatic. Uh, they are, yeah, like I said, they are a type of sea slug. And actually on the show, we have talked about the sea bunny before, which is a related animal. And they the sea hare, I don't think is quite as adorable as the sea bunny. Bridget, I, actually, I got to show you a sea bunny. This is yeah, I got to find out necessary. sea bunny because that just sounds too cute. It's very cute. I'm gonna show you. Oh yeah, that's pretty cute. I can't hate that. You I can't. can't hate you it. can't. So this is so sea bunnies, like we've talked about before, are nudibranchs, and they look like little cotton balls with bunny ears and a bunny tail. And that little cotton tail is actually their lungs that they breathe through. So they breathe through their tushy, which is amazing <laughs> and wonderful. They're one of my favorite, one of my favorite animals, the sea bunny. And sea hares aren't, they, I don't think they have quite the same cuteness factor. If you Google sea hare, you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, because a uh, bunny is way cuter than hare. So they're called a sea hare because the rhinophores, which are those like little fleshy antenna on top of their head, uh, look a little bit like rabbit ears. And those those ears don't really hear anything. They actually smell and taste the water. And they there are many species of sea hare, and they are found all over the world's oceans in coastal waters where there's dense vegetation for them to eat. And they range in color and size. I think most of them look like weird little dumplings, I guess, with <laughs> uh, with with bunny ears. And they um, so. The largest sea hare is the California black sea hare, which grows up to 30 inches long and 31 oh. pounds. So that's ah. 75 centimeters and 14 kilograms. That's insane. Ah, See that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's a little, maybe that's a little too much for me. That's, that might be a little too much sea hare for me even. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a, big, that's a big sack of goo. That's a big sack of goo. Exactly. So another species of California sea hare is the Aphysia. Californica, I think, yeah, Aphysia californica, which eats red algae and consequently has a pinkish reddish hue. And not only that, but it can like actually ink at predators like a squid or an octopus and it inks purple, purplish pinkish ink in this big plume. So if you scroll down, you actually can see this and I think it's rather pretty. That, okay, the ink is cool. The fact that it looks like it's coming out of uh, its open back, <laughs> I don't love, but the ink is cool. Right. So what, what Bridget is looking at is this, this sea hair. And you know how like, um, you know how like certain dumplings, they have like you, you, it's sort of a right, semi circle and then the top of it, you kind of like pinch the edges of the dumpling. So there's like these like flaps on the top. Imagine that, but it's got a tail and it's also got a head with like little weird Bites. head face tentacles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's those like flaps are actually kind of wing like parts of it. So the back isn't like split open. Those are just those are just like wings that are kind right. of like resting on top of its back. Uh, but it, it is odd. It is an odd shaped animal. Yeah. Thinking of that as a 30 pound thing. Yes. That's a little much. <laughs> uh, don't love it. Um, I think that it's that's its max weight. So yeah. that that's at least we know it doesn't get more than that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But that that purple ink that it spews out is really interesting because it has an ink gland along its back that 
releases that that plume of magenta colored ink and it also can release a sort of white colored ink which is uh, made out of opaline which is a component found in opal which is distasteful to predators so that's it's really cool it's like they're you know like that the color festivals where you throw around like colorful right, chalk like or something powder. yeah Right. Or like, I guess people are doing it now with like baby showers or baby reve- gender reveal oh, things. Yeah. yeah let's, which... let's stick with the color runs because <laughs> the other <laughs> one is stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where they like, I've actually heard like with the, so, so what I'm talking about is at these gender reveal parties, which I, I could launch into a whole thing of like, I don't know <laughs> if we need to throw podcast. a party about that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a different podcast. But like they, they will fire off I guess like colored powder where like you you I'm not actually I'm not a pyrotechnician so I don't know how this works but you you like it's like a little like smoke bomb but then it sprays either like pink or blue but then sometimes like these smoke bombs explode so it's actually kind of dangerous so maybe don't do it always except unless you're hired pyrotechnic people I don't know yeah but if you if you do have a if you do want to have a a pink plume and you have an underwater gender reveal party you could bother a sea hare (laughs) yeah just yeah get a big stick and now that i say that all out loud all those words combined i don't like them so don't do that (laughs) (laughs) get all your friends scuba licenses right Uh. right if you're gonna do something as silly as a gender reveal party you should at least do it scuba diving but also, but but don't bully a sea hare. I take that back. I yeah. do not bully sea hares. Come don't on. Don't bully sea hares. So, don't have gender reveal parties. Simple right. solution. Don't, don't bully puffer fish. This has been this has been like an after school special show uh, yeah. about all the things. <laughs> just this is my new brand. It's just lecturing my listeners on which yeah. animals you shouldn't bully. Hint: it's all of them. <laughs> yeah. Just let them be. Just let them be. So sea hares have parapodia, and that those are those like weird fleshy ribbons you see that run along its back, and mm. they actually can use them like wings. So they like swim, sort of like oh no, like and they flap fly. them like wings. They fly in the ocean. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty. Although yeah. I guess if you think about like a flying terrestrial slug, that Awful. does seem yeah, it's not a great idea. But like their uh, terrestrial slug cousins, they are also hermaphrodites. So meaning that they have female and male reproductive organs, but they are a bit less misanthropic when it comes to mating than the sea slug because they hold these big old sea hare swinger parties where they <laughs> form long mating chains. Oh, no. Which, yeah. So because they have both female and male genitalia, they can basically link up like one long sex conga line. Oh, my and God. And dun, 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 dun. <laughs> So the first in the line acts only as a female. The second in line yeah. mounts her as a male. And then I'm going to say, I'm going to use, I'm going to say they, because again, female and male genitalia. Right. I I don't think, obviously these are, these are animal sexes. Gender doesn't apply to these guys, but right. for just for clarity. So, so the first one acts as a female. The second one acts as both a female and a male. So on and so on. And then the last in the chain only acts as a male. And, and that's because you see how, how that works, right? Like you, you mount the first one and then right. 
you're second in line, so you're also getting getting mounted, right. and then the third one is mounting the second one, and so on yeah. and so forth, and you just get a big long long fun conga sex chain. Yeah, no, I feel like the 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 slug at the front and back they're getting the raw end of the deal. Everybody else, you know, seems fun. Yeah, to do everyone both. else gets to yeah gets do to, both gets, gets to do both have both times. Uh, yeah, I That's- mean, actually, if you're thinking about it in terms of uh, I, I'm not sh- I'm not 100% sure of, of, of this, but if you're thinking about it in terms of evolutionary cost, I would say the one in the front gets the most raw deal because yeah. laying eggs is costly. And if you can pass on your genetic material without having to lay eggs, that's cool. So the one in the back is getting the best deal because potentially doesn't have to lay eggs. But I'm not sure. Like they may like... I don't know if they only engage in like one sex chain. They could do a bunch of sex chains, in which yeah. case everybody gets a turn. When, <laughs> when they swapping swapping sex exactly, chains. Exactly. When they do lay eggs, they lay millions of them in long spaghetti like strands. And that's cool. <laughs> that, that is cool. Uh gross, but cool. What a weird form of like spaghetti caviar. You know, being being awfully judgy, I think it's beautiful. These, okay. these sex sex con- conga lines, and then they make makes egg spaghetti that turns into babies. Beautiful. The, cir- the circle of life the me- is fascinating. <laughs> the literal circle of life, exactly. Life. It's, it's uh, up to interpretation. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, how you feel about it's, it? Look, it's mag- it's the it's it's the majesty of of love making amongst sea slugs and i personally i think it's great i think it's beautiful i was like in in middle school and everyone was finding out about like grinding dancing uh mm. at bar mitzvahs people would uh everyone would line up and it would be like boy girl boy girl in like a long <laughs> chain of um teenage dry humping and that's what oh, this reminds boy. me yep. that, wow yeah that is kind of that is pretty similar Yep. Again, what do you th- like? Do you think like the person at the front of the the grind grind line like is that like a raw deal? Like that seems kind of like awkward. I feel like you're that's just the, like you're like the. F- I feel like that's the easiest like the mo- to navigate. You're only because really? it seems like, but then you're like the face of the grind line, and that seems like weird that you have to kind of like if you're at the head of the grind line, then like it's you're like the head of the grind line and that's like a lot of right. visibility and culpability that I wouldn't really want. I wouldn't right, want, I, like are you are you the captain of the hump line and I don't want to be like yeah it's me I'm the captain for, of the hump line. That was for the more confident the more confident among us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not me. No, I I would want to be somewhere in the middle. I would say like somewhere well within the middle of the grind right. line or maybe like back middle sort of and right. so that like nobody can see me being here in the grind line. Right. And also like I'm not a good enough dancer to have set the rhythm for an entire chain. Right. You know? Right. I or need maybe to just go I with don't know, flow. maybe maybe back of maybe back of the grind line cuz then I can like leave to go to the bathroom whenever I want cuz like being yeah. stuck in the middle of the grind line like what if you have to go to the bathroom and then you're like stuck in the middle of the grind line and you can't and like break the grind line. You don't want to be the, the one, one who broke the grind line. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be the one to ruin the grind line. It only takes one exactly. person. Uh, God, this is this is like this is making me sweat from social anxiety. So <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's we, what I do. We, so. 
I, I feel feel like this is payback for Bridget having to learn about sea slugs as she's yeah. like or learn about slugs is like like here here here's some social anxiety for you Katie I, yeah I'm <laughs> sorry to yeah no to don't apologize pirate. I deserve it no this yeah. is this is more this is very fair I'll, fair I'll let you go back of, and, yeah phobias I'll let you yeah. go back into so your territory I think what we could all use at the end of this episode is to talk about big snake sex parties right cool. That's that's, seems, that's, cool, that's a good right? closer. That's a closer if I've ever heard. Yeah. I like to end on an uplifting note, and that is big snake sex balls. Um, <laughs> so uh, snakes may seem like unfriendly, but some species get really, really very friendly during mating Ooh. seasons. And so let's talk about garter snakes. So garter snakes participate in something that is about as opposite of social distancing as you could possibly get <laughs> because sometimes they get they just wind themselves in these big balls of snakes that are all trying trying to mate and it's great and so garter snakes are a sort of smaller genus of snakes they're typically harmless to humans if they do have venom, it's very mild, and they can't really effectively bite people and inject that venom. So they're they're just sweet little noodles, and you don't you don't have to worry about them too much. They come in different colors, each species, and they are endemic to North America. So you, if you are another North American like me, you've probably seen them around. I've I've seen garter snakes around, and they're they they can be quite pretty. So the California red-sided garter snake is very stunning. It has these red bars on its side and a bright neon blue strip running down its back. Wow, that's cool. That looks like a, a Power Ranger snake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So some species of garter snakes participate in massive sex parties, you know, just like Power Rangers. That's a fanfic I read. <laughs> yep, yep. The, it's a fanfic we've all possibly written or read. All of us. <laughs> We're all equally guilty for that. Yep. Uh, so there's another species of garter snake that lives in Manitoba, Canada, and they are called the red-sided garter snakes, and they do massive mob mating where tens of thousands of individuals slither together in a big, beautiful sex ball that is known scientifically as a mating ball, which <laughs> I was like, I wrote these notes. And I was like calling it a sex ball. And I'm like, oh, that's crude. That's crass. I should look up the what they actually call it. And it's just called a mating ball. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's what it is. Yep. It's it unmistakable. It's yeah, there's not too many words. I don't know how <laughs> more poetically you could put it. Yeah. Sphere, you know? maybe. I don't know. Sphere. Togetherness pile. sphere. Pile. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Baby yeah. making pile. Again, doesn't roll <laughs> off the tongue that well. So because the mortality rate for garter snakes in the winter is so high, it's kind of difficult if you're just kind of like looking looking in the singles pages to find a female to mate with so their solution is forming a giant mosh pit that gives everyone a higher chance to mate and that's great but it does come at a high price other than just gro gross uh, they can also be fatal to males who basically expend all their energy and resources on sperm so they, it's like they're they're doing so much mating, and and what what happens is like before this mating, they actually have they like uh, aren't really eating at this point, so they are just on this mating frenzy, 
mating as much as they can without eating. So if you're power expending up. a Right. If you're like expending a lot of your, your resources on these sperm packets that you're giving to the females, you're, you're losing, you're losing all the resources real quick. So sometimes it can be fatal for these males. They, they literally, you know, grind themselves to death. (laughs) But some male garter snakes uh, have developed an interesting trick. So when mating, garter snakes actually release pheromones, which males and females can seek out to find each other and females and males each have their own brand of pheromone but some tricky males produce both female pheromones and male pheromones and that tricks other males to cuddle with them which (laughs) seems like why would you want that well so snakes are like rep like other reptiles, Mm cold-blooded, meaning that they can't thermoregulate and they have to sit in the sun to get body heat. And conversely, it's it's not like their blood is always cold. Like when they get too warm, they have to get in the shade to regulate that down. So basically, they they just have to manually regulate their body temperature, unlike uh, unlike mammals. So if they want to get some cheap, easy heat, they can trick other males to cuddle with them <laughs> and get some free warmth. And I, I don't know, like of all the sort of sneaky strategies like the in nature, I think getting free cuddles is one of the cutest ones. That is I've one of the of. sweetest ones. It seems like a long way to just get a cuddle with your bro, but. I know, right? Right. You know, like, they I have wish, to be so I wish, afraid. Yeah, it's so much toxic snake masculinity here. Just yeah. like. You know, your bro. like, hey, just like color your bro, yeah. you know, and I know I know that's like right now we're all self isolating. But if you do happen to be isolating with a bro, cu- cuddle that bro, we you know, need cuddles, we all need cuddles, responsible yeah. cuddles, though, at this point, responsible yes. consensual cuddles. All right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But yes. Only only cuddle the people you're living with, you know. Only cuddle the people you've been self-isolating with for a few weeks and also, you know, d- consensually. <laughs> My roommate walked by at that moment and I said that and looked directly at her and then she left. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you try making her an intricate uh, mandala out of sand or no, but inflating that is my your next nose move. balloon? <laughs> Once we hang up, I'm going to fill this apartment with sand. Uh, in in Florida, there's actually an, a different species of snakes, these uh, water snakes that also form, do these massive mating balls. And they are so, I guess, enthusiastic about it that... Um, yes! The, the, have you seen this, like, where the... Um, I've heard of this, yeah. Yeah. Park management actually warns park visitors of the big snake mating balls and like ha- like closes parts of the parks off yeah. so that these snakes the- can mate in peace. For- yes, for snake orgies. I because I you said the mating ball thing and I was like I've heard of this for some yes. reason and yes in good old Florida we have those mating balls. <laughs> it's really funny. They're trying to calm people at the same time as like trying to educate them where. And so this was a, a, a Facebook post by officials in Florida amidst the snake mating season. And it's, they said, quote, it appears that they have congregated for mating. They are non-venomous and generally not aggressive as long as people do not disturb them. Once the mating is over, they should go their separate ways. <laughs> so like, please don't panic. They, they, they won't be here in the big sex pile forever. Don't worry. <laughs> 
everyone chill they're just having their you know yearly orgy yeah yeah i do i do like the idea though that so like obviously social distancing rules don't have to apply to snakes right now so like as we're all like having to stay home and i feel like the snakes are going to be like we have all the time in the world and all the space we want to have big sex parties so they're just going to be everywhere like uh, not just, caring not worrying just taking over with their big snaky sex ball do they ever get stuck this is a dumb question it's not a dumb question actually i bet some of them do you like know I just, a snake I, knot seems inevitable i it probably happens to be honest i don't know like i don't know if like researchers are going like kind of picking through these snake piles and like doing performing autopsies on the dead snakes to see what the cause of death was whether they were like crushed to death or something but i'm gonna go out on a limb and say it probably occasionally happens like if you're in the middle of a sex ball that could happen i just keep thinking of um i think it's a 30 the the rat king where like a bunch of rats get their tails tied together and form Yes, a rat yes. Oh, I but, see. Like you're you're thinking they might get like tied in a knot together. Yeah, but I that's think, the cartoon world I live in in my head. Well, rat, well, rat king do that does happen where rats actually like their tails get tied in a knot and they get Awful. stuck together. Like if they're in too like too densely populated, I think that happens. I yeah I'm you know maybe it happens with snakes I do think snakes are unlike rat tails I think because snakes have much more control over their their muscles in their body probably less likely to get super tangled but I'm sure they at least get sometimes like for a little while tangled because like when they are mating they do kind of wrap around each other so it seems inevitable that someone's gonna get like stuck it's gonna be like a twister situation where you're right you know like, sex you know, gets like, awkward sometimes right and, uh, and you're like it, is it, this my is this yeah. my snake part or is this someone else's snake part yeah. and you think it's your tail but someone else's tail yeah yeah i yeah you just gotta laugh it off you know this it, you know it happens to everyone yeah it's the <laughs> beast of many 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 snakes is what they call it <laughs> yep <laughs> of course yep uh yeah these are uh Snake balls. What yep, a horrible balls. What a horrible thing to come across. It's like like a big ball of yarn, but made out of snakes. I don't know why park rangers even say don't go near that if I saw a big ball of snakes. Well, that's you though, Bridget. I think <laughs> I need that warning personally. Because yeah. if I see a big ball of snakes, I'll be like, huh. Like I saw a big ball of bees. Oh no. And I went up to this ball of bees and I was like, huh. And only as I approached them, as what did I think? Like, well, maybe it's not a good idea to disturb the bee ball. Uh, yeah. But apparently, they so they were actually just like searching for a new hive. And bees are actually quite docile when they are in that state. Right. So I was not in too much. Obviously, I didn't you poke them or anything. Unlike some, unlike some people, I don't bully random animals. But yeah, the, I you was know. safe. But I, I did. There, there was a moment where I was like, you know. While I do know a lot about bees, I'm not a total bee expert, so maybe I shouldn't approach this bee ball. And I, I would caution yeah. other people not to approach random balls of bees either, because you never know. Yeah. Like I mean, they could be they could be fighting. It could be that they're like chilling and and searching for a new hive, and they're not particularly aggressive. 
Or they could be plotting something and you don't know it. And they're just gonna, they're yeah. like trying trying to form a Megatron of bees and you wouldn't know it <laughs> until it's too late. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be near that when that comes up. Nope. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today, Bridget, and yeah. suffering through all of the, the slug parts. Um, hey. I really- Anything I, for you, buddy. I, I promise you, I did not plan to torture you with this episode. It was on, I like, well, Hope no. it's okay. <laughs> no, you were very, I mean, you were very kind. You were as kind as you could be about it. And yeah. uh, I got off easy last time. I was on the cute <laughs> episode. That's so, true. Uh, Next time I'll, I'll try to have you on a, on a cute one again. We'll, we'll sort of like go back and forth, like horrifying cute, horrifying cute. And, I mean, I know? got the puffer fish. That yeah, was, th that's true. That's a fond that memory I'll walk away with. And the sea bunny, and the sea bunny. I think and the sea bunny. The sea bunny. Sea Bunny really washes down the uh, yeah. the I, banana I finally slug. made peace with a mollusk, and that's the you Sea did. Bunny. You yeah. did. Oh, see, that's that's wonderful. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Well, yeah. so do you have anything to plug, Bridget? Uh, yeah. Uh, you can uh, head over to uh, Small Beans Patreon or you know Spotify, iTunes, and listen to Rough Stuff, uh, a podcast that I host. Uh, where we invite some comedians on and we talk about some embarrassing childhood moments. And then also we have another podcast uh, called The Cast and the Curious, where we're reviewing the Fast and the Furious movies. Oh, that's so, great. <laughs> yeah. So you can uh, listen to either of those podcasts or both, preferably, on uh, yeah. the Small Beans feeds. Yeah, I was on I was on rough stuff, and I talked yeah. about how when I was when I was a baby, I ate snails sometimes, and yeah. that's when I learned about Bridget's. Yeah, huge problem with mollusks. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Immediately you were a monster. Yes. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. You can find us on the internet at Creature Feature Pod on Instagram, at Creature Feet Pod on Twitter. That's F E A T, not F E E T. That's something very different. You can hear my Katie thoughts on Twitter at Katie Golden. Or, of course, as always, I am at ProBirdRights, where I am trying to put the reins of the world into the proper wings, not hands, of birds. You know, I, I think it's about time. About the time noble for cause. bird revolution. It is. Noble cause. Because <laughs> birds, <laughs> birds cost sometimes. Some uh, of them do anyway. Cause, yes. Yeah, this is, this is a comedy podcast <laughs> about animals. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you're all doing doing all right out there. Um, if you're enjoying the show, uh, yeah, like leaving a review and a rating and subscribing and downloading, all those things really help. I know it doesn't. It's, you're you're sitting there thinking like that's not gonna that's not gonna help Katie. That's Katie's not gonna notice it when I rate it, but I do. I feel it. I actually, it's like it feels like a thunderbolt going off right. through my heart. I'm like. Somebody rated my podcast. I'm so thankful. It feels so good. It's like confetti everywhere. I love it. <laughs> and it, it, it does actually really help the podcast. Gets us up in the algorithms and that, that helps the podcast continue to be a podcast. Thanks to the Space Cossacks for their wonderful song, Exolumina. Creature Features, a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit iHeartRadio.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next Wednesday. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, 
fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.